Hello, audio listener. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This podcast episode is a recording of our show that we air live on YouTube every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That being said, we may be making references to things that can only be seen on screen. Don't worry, you're not going to miss out on any information because of this. Just some things may not make sense because we're making a reference to something that is on screen. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Good evening and welcome to Killing the Church. Video games, are they sinful? Movies, music, where are the lines drawn? No, no, the answer is no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> oh, how are you this evening, Seamus? I'm fantastic. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. So, yes, that is the topic of the night. Uh, we'll be discussing um, uh, a perspective on uh, video games for the most part, but also other forms of media and entertainment that uh, Christianity has some very strong positions on um but first things first uh as always we have to uh give our 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 loyal loyal um followers a shout out use your words (laughs) a special thanks of course to our top tier heretics uh, you guys are the best. So here you go. The Tomadim and the Scholars are two top, um, top most tiers on the Patreon. Um, and this episode was uh, one of your guys' ideas, actually. So once again, this uh, episode is brought to you by them, um, sponsored by them, so to speak. <clears throat> um, but yeah, no, uh, uh, you know, in all actuality, yes, absolutely. You guys uh, rock. Thank you so much uh, for all of your support. And um, yeah, man, we're we're moving in a, a pretty big direction thanks to them. So, looking forward to the future. Absolutely. And uh, hey, somebody is uh, Assassin's Creed is Canada's most popular video game. Uh, interesting. So, I'm <laughs> in spirit of of tonight. I'm actually wearing an Assassin's Creed um, hoodie. <laughs> in fact, let me get the little eight bit music game going back up here. Minecraft, though, for America, that's interesting. I believe that. I do believe that. Because remember, Minecraft good, Fortnite bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember when that was a Reddit thing? I mean, you know, so, yeah. yeah it's... It was, there was like a little while on Reddit where as long as your meme contained either 42069 or like <laughs> Minecraft good, Fortnite bad, like it would get likes like from everybody. <laughs> the secret to getting... Uh good karma (laughs) yeah like seriously low effort memes it just had to be a meme that contained in it minecraft good fortnite bad that that exact word selection listen there there was a time in like 2014 2017 ish area where memes just sort of imploded on themselves and so stupid images like the e guy was considered top tier. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> stonks. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it memes just got so outrageous it just imploded on itself and it, it and now, you know, like the the guy the, the creepy looking stick figure dude and it just says corn flick. You know, like uh, what? <laughs> oh man, that was when Gen Z started memeing. <laughs> so like we had an entire generation of like millennial memes and they were all hilarious. And then Gen Z started memeing and we're all of us old people are like, what even is this? <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> oh, but sir, who is with you in spirit tonight? <laughs> ah, Bushmills. Hey! Even got a bow on it. (laughs) Very nice. Well, I have something rather special tonight. Yes. Um, I have uh, 
I have uh, uh, some some spiritual guidance, if you will, uh, with me tonight. Um, one of our one of our amazing followers. Um, I don't know if they want me to if if they want me to mention them by name. Just say I, I didn't even Gra- Grafted Acres. Um, they are such an awesome couple, and uh, they knew that I like bourbon. Of the two of us, I'm the bourbon guy. So they sent me the bourbon rabbi. It is move your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bourbon from Kentucky, like the bourbon capital. Uh, certified kosher, distilled by a rabbi. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's called Bourbon Rabbi. Right. Uh, from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, he's based yes. out of. Yes. And <laughs> we actually, <laughs> we have a friend of ours who knows the guy. Right. <laughs> which is wild. Uh, the Jewish world is incredibly small. It's about as small as the Marine Corps world, I dare say. <laughs> I am I am super stoked to try this. I, I I can't even tell you. Like I have been excited about this all day because I got the notification when it got delivered and I was like, ooh. That yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> so I'm... like yeah, today today has been a day of great anticipation. And uh so it smells fantastic, by the way. <laughs> I am jealous. I want some of that. <laughs> I think you would like this. Mm. Um, you definitely I, okay. taste. I have a confession to make, everybody. You're live on. You know what? This is so serious. I got to stop the music. I have a confession. Okay. I have recently discovered that there's a number of bourbons that I do enjoy. Okay, with that out of the way. <laughs> Forgive me, guys. <laughs> I think the primary problem is you you mistook Jack Daniels to be bourbon for a long time. Uh, so I've discovered, okay, so Basil Hayden is probably my go-to bourbon if I had to pick a bourbon. Um, I don't know if you've had Basil Hayden yet. I have not. Very good. Um, this. Uh, and th- those of you who are drinking, we've got a couple already. Yep. Hey, I'm drinking Basil Hayden tonight. Look at that. <laughs> How about it? Love some Basil Hayden. Um, so yeah, yeah. Whatever you're drinking tonight, drop it in the comments. <laughs> I do gotta say, Hemlock I love having this. the Basil Hayden. I like, you, and what I like about the Basil Hayden bottle too is it just says BH, like the, the little BH symbol, which is like <laughs> Baruch Hashem. So it's like, ha! <laughs> it works. <laughs> no, you you definitely so, and I do think he chars the barrels for this a little bit. You get a little bit of the char though; it's not overbearing like in Jack Daniels. So it mimics like a light peated, you know. It you get a little bit of smoky flavor. Um, definitely get the vanilla on the nose. It should be sweet because it's a bourbon. Uh, the char is pretty much required at this point, like by law. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, I just is. realized we were backwards. Ooh, I knew I something didn't okay. seem right. <laughs> we we went that whole inch. Okay, anyway, <laughs> whatever. Um, there, the world is at is 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 right now. Anyway, so I gotta say, I love this. Um, and I I highly recommend this for anybody anybody who's interested. I visited his website. Uh, did a lot of research on it today. So he actually does have a concise list of all certified kosher bourbons. Um, he has another list of non-certified, which uh, as the description explained is like, to my understanding, um, these brands could have some things that are that, that could be problematic uh, regarding social, uh, kosher certification, yeah. but we're not entirely sure. We don't know, we can't confirm. We just know that they don't have a kosher certification. And then he also has a third list of brands that are like confirmed. We know that there are things in their process that render them not kosher by rabbinic standards. Which is a super really good um, 
resource to have. I am going to use that list as like my 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 baseline for what I try on this show now. <laughs> for like so like for the next for the next shows, I will only be trying whiskeys that I have found on the certified kosher list. <laughs> Uh, and it, it, like alcohol, especially is like this weird area. So there's a lot of politics involved with the Hexure, a kosher certification is also called a Hexure. Um, for those of you who don't know, but now moving into the show, the, the, the content of the show, uh, you know, once again, um, please don't forget to bless that like button. And, um, and I don't know, I don't want to say it in many path read feely, the subscribe button thing anymore. Uh, I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that means only Christians start subscribing to us. <laughs> uh, which is fine, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, best way to support us, uh, you know, please, if you haven't already, don't forget to hit that like button and uh, subscribe if, if you haven't. Um, and visit our website. Uh, join the Discord, especially. There's a lot of fun going down in the Discord, and you can ask us any questions. Uh, and there's we also have a load of resources in the Discord, too, so you can ask anybody any questions. Um, all right, that out of the way. <clears throat> Let us jump into the topic tonight. So, video games. Um, now, the primary topic is video games, but this is going to cover any media type um, that has, like, violent content more particularly yeah vi well violent content profanity uh even nudity because the fact is that when it comes to discussing this topic in entertainment and let's just use the the broad term for all of it um the discussion flow really goes about the same for either one um or you could even include music in this uh music is where it, it deviates a little bit because um that actually does become a little bit more about the nature of the content because mm, there's a difference. Uh, there's, there's, there's a difference when it comes to music as opposed to, you know, like a literary piece. So like movies and video games are more akin to like literature than music uh, when it comes to historical books, right? Uh, you, you may read a historical book that has some words that we don't use in it today, uh, especially not in dignified society. But that doesn't mean that the book is a bad book to read, right? It, it, the book may have some very good value in spite of some of the choice words and, and content that's in it. And that's where we find ourselves with movies and video games, whereas music is, is a little bit more content-centric. Music, um, even, even, even to music, actually, the Talmud has already done a lot on uh, the topic of music, believe it or not. <laughs> and... Um, Anyway, yeah, so we'll start, though, with video games, and we'll kind of move into that. <clears throat> uh, I like that you brought up literature, though, uh, uh, because, you know, a an excellent example of a book that uses really rather uh, um, choice words, uh, but is an excellent book, and you should definitely read it, is the Bible. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> uh, there, there are actually, like in a Torah scroll, uh, you, you, you're familiar with Kare Kativ. Uh, I know this because you recently did a video on Kare Kativ. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar in the audience, Kare Kativ is the, it means like what is read versus what is written. Um, right. And the Masoretic texts, the, there's a tradition in which when you're reading a Torah scroll out loud uh, in a synagogue setting, there are certain words that are too vulgar for you to say. Uh, there might be women listening, and that would just be inappropriate. There might be children listening, and it might be inappropriate. There might be certain words that are just not appropriate for a prayer setting, because usually if you're reading from a Torah scroll out loud in a synagogue, everyone around you is praying um, in the middle of prayer. So, uh, you know, you don't want to be talking about um, hemorrhoids in the middle of said section and other things right. that could be really rather inappropriate. So uh, there are certain karekative in which you would say a completely different word that's a little bit more appropriate uh, rather than what is written. Um, it, it, just as an example, like, and I bring this up to say that the Bible is in fact uh, very gritty and can be at times very vulgar. Um, a lot of our English translations smooth some of that over for us 
based on creative traditions, a lot of scholars are very familiar with creative and and they will actually write into the translation the what you would what you would say rather than what's actually there and then put it in a footnote what's actually written there so that it's still not lost but you know right. again more appropriate. So with that kind of out of the way. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the um I haven't even had my first sip of Bushmills yet. <laughs> it was like, oh, you know, it's the Red Bull. <laughs> um, yeah, so when it comes to like video games, particularly of a more violent nature, I, I think I think we can kind of actually, you know, we can start with a sort of common ground. Neutral video games are probably fine across the board. Yeah, sure. It's it. You know, we're, you're talking about like Mario Party, Mario Kart. Yeah, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Yeah, there's a mild <laughs> level of violence in them, but it's like it's it's the cartoony slapstick style violence, um, which so believe it or not, there are some branches of Christianity, particularly in the extreme fundamentalists, that would still bark at that. Um, I, I I think most people can agree that's a bit ridiculous. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a certain point where if we're if we're really talking about the subject of violence, right, uh, you have to monitor your children's play at this point for any any hint of what could be the same type of violence. And as it as it stands for uh, young boys in particular, um, implied violence is just an inherent part of their upbringing and part of the experience of growing up as a boy right uh and by implied violence i mean like kids have been kids have been playing cops and robbers since before video games existed <laughs> right kids have been playing cowboys and indians since before since before right kids have been playing the role of the warriors who are at odds with one another right this is this is something that's simply in the nature of a boy right Jordan Peterson calls it the call to adventure, right? It's 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 the duty of a boy to grow up to be a man. And uh, as, as human history has borne out, a lot of that has to do with showing himself capable in competition against other men. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of times in history, this has been uh, a struggle of one life over another. It's just the way of the world. It's the way that the world has gone. Uh, but this... this shows itself in play and we see this even with animals right animals learn to hunt carnivores learn to hunt by violent play with one another it it's just part of life yeah um i think it was uh, brett mckay has a um <clears throat> uh the art of manliness book yes and like one of the precepts in there is rough house with your kids uh because you know it hardens uh, with your son particularly it hardens them it kind of it brings the boyhood out you know um yeah it, so but uh um oh i had something there and it not anymore i guess it wasn't important if it comes back um because yeah so so you know you've got you've got the cartoony violence um and a a level of violent behavior um or rather, I don't. I don't even want to say violent behavior because that's putting too much of a dark spin on it. Aggressive behavior, right? Because uh, aggression is the precursor to violence, really. Um, but a, a level of, of aggressive behavior is just part of human nature, and ergo, it finds its way into forms of entertainment because this is how we learn and develop. Um, entertainment is one of the uh, key proponents of learning as we grow up. Uh, that's especially for children. Like I said, that's how they learn is to entertain themselves, um, to experiment to it's, it's, it's their minds, um, expanding, wondering it's, it's the curious question. Well, what happens if I do this? Right. And if that's not good for them, then it'll, it'll react negatively. And that's where that's okay. Okay. Well, I don't need to do that again. Right. You know, <laughs> what, what happens if I shove this kid, like kids think random things like that. It's just the way that their mind works. That's how they learn what happens when you shove another human being. <laughs> That's how they, they they interact with their world in a very physical manner. That's how they learn. Um, oftentimes, that's how they learn their limits. Uh, you know, a kid discovers um, pain accidentally. 
uh, and usually by pushing himself to a point where he then figures out, okay, so that's where I stop. That's where I stop, you know, going, pushing further and further um, because that sucks, <laughs> whatever the experience might be. Um, and then there's, there's actually a sense of hardening in there too, in that, um, you know, that sucked, but I've learned something and I could go, I can go further and be and more beyond. Yep. Um, martial arts is a really good example of this. You, you're going to learn through a lot of pain, but that pain is going to be good for you. So especially in a situation where you find yourself in a position where you would have to utilize your training, um, you're not going to be shocked when you get punched in the face for the first time. You're just going to be used to that. And you're going to operate more clearly headed uh, yes. than somebody who has never been punched in the face before ever in their life. The second they get hit, the whole plan becomes a theory. <laughs> and the I, I love that you brought up martial arts in particular because that, again, that is the use of violence and aggression uh, in order to teach a, a number of positive, admirable principles uh, that that actually become instilled in your being like you're you nobody ever is or uh, yeah there's never anybody who was a martial artist right but <laughs> it's 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 something that once once you are like that's what you are from that point on it it, it stays with you the mindset stays with you um and it's i i think it's something that is very easy to cling on to because of uh, for boys, because we understand that it's it's utilizing aggression and violence to teach these things. So we're much more willing to learn that way. Um, but even that, that what, one of the things I think I learned most from learning martial arts uh, was patience. Because mm -hmm. the goal, right, is to become awesome, right, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I have a better term that I like to use for that, but I, I can't use it on this show. <laughs> but, but to become awesome, right? To become a, a, a master of violence. Uh, but that doesn't happen all at once, right? And it's it's kind of a boring, monotonous process to get there. And you'll never realize when you are there, right? There's no definitive point at which you realize, oh, I have arrived at this point until you are faced with a situation where you have to use those skills and you would rather not have to. Yeah. Right. When, when push comes to shove and now pedal is to the metal, right? It's down to brass tacks and you actually have to utilize this. That's when you finally learn, Oh, Oh, I am that now. <laughs> and, and there's a lot to be said, uh, like the discipline aspect of it as well, because that, that martial arts does build a discipline. Um, it is itself a discipline. And so over time, it instills the value of discipline and instills the value of delayed gratification. Um, it instills the value of hip, uh, good habits, like good productive habits. And the, the reason we're actually bringing this up is we're, we're, we're going to actually say that in certain aspects, some video games, particularly even violent video games, can build a lot of these same character traits just by a different medium. Uh, as we said before, first time you get hit in the face, it's going to shock you. Um, but if you're used to it, then when it when it actually comes down to it, a punch in the face isn't going to phase you. Uh, there's an aspect in which you know even violent video games um, can prepare you for something in the real world. Uh, you know, God forbid, has that that you might ex end up experiencing. Um, video games have actually done, you know, a lot of wonders for our up and coming generation for um, some of our military training, uh, like our drone pilots are all, you know, video gamers kind of thing. Um, and, and there is a there's a sense of discipline too, in even a video game where you put it on a difficulty mode, and you have to train up to that point, you have to build a certain discipline within the video game. Um, now, obviously it's not the same as doing martial arts. It's very physical. It's very, uh, you know, um, real, you know, like the pain is very real. It's not, it's, it's unforgiving in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, but that is to say that there is some value even in a violent video game, especially when we consider that, uh, you know, there's, there's a sort of common, I guess, misconception that people will blur the lines between reality and violent video games. And yes. there's like no data to back that. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, that, that whole video games make people more violent. Uh, it's like, well, 
you know, women used to get burned at the stake for making medicine with herbs in their home. So I think human beings are probably just trash. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if video games were the cause of that. So <laughs> <laughs> those were going around for a while. Somebody, the the media was blaming one of the shootings on video games because he happened to have like a call of duty account or something and so these memes were going everywhere of like just violent paintings of old medieval stuff and they were like look no video games in sight just people living in the moment <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah it's like, it's like yeah you know like video games weren't around when the crusades happened or you know even even uh you know the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anything, what we actually see is that there is a massive tendency towards violence back then, fairly naturally. And as we as we advance more towards in a society, now we feel because the media feeds us this all the time. We feel that violence is constantly on the uprising. It's, that's actually not true. Uh, historically, violence is at an all time low. It's it's getting lower and lower over time. And to that same token. Correlation is not causation, but at the, by the same token, violent video games are growing at an exponential rate. Uh, and so not only is there no correlation between, you know, violent video game usage and uh, violent tendencies, um, but if anything, there's an opposite correlation. And there are, there are some who, who would actually say that, yeah, the opposite correlation is for a reason, because nowadays we have an outlet to express violent tendencies in a way that's not harmful to society. Right. You get really mad, you can go play Call of Duty and stack some bodies on Call of Duty and then vent your anger that way rather than actually pick up a weapon, chas v'sholem, and take a human life, chas v'sholem. So, <laughs> uh, and so the, right. an argument can even be made from that particular standpoint. And this is this is really just talking about violent video games as, as a generality. Now, for my own upbringing... Even violent video games were something that my parents took with a level of discernment. Um, so I probably wouldn't have been allowed to play uh, Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah, fair. But, <laughs> but things like uh, Medal of Honor, um, mm. Call of Duty was like a new thing at that time. Medal of Honor still kind of ruled the roost of first-person shooter uh, war games. Um, you know, SOCOM, Navy SEALs, uh, Ghost Recon... Mm -hmm. um the these are these are things that i was allowed to play growing up um but because most of the time the the campaign right for those of you who are not uh, gamer literate the campaign is the story that is being played right most video games we've gone past the the era of video games where there is absolutely no plot right especially in a first person shooter game like you are a character that has a, a a goal, a mission, right? There's there's an active story going on. It's almost like you're playing the character in a movie, uh, as it were. And especially for any of them from from World War II, um, implicit in the campaign were these same qualities of what it took to uh, be an honorable man, to be to be someone who is willing to self sacrifice. Uh, for their country or for, you know, for the uh, the oppressed and, and what have you, right? These, these are things that are ingrained into the storytelling of the character that you're playing in the game. Um, as a matter of fact, in, in several of them, uh, especially in, in one of the Call of Duties that I can think of in particular, like, your character dies, like, outright, and then you, you shift characters in the game to continue the game at that point. Um, yeah. But you, you know, your your characters meet a bitter end, um, and a lot of us had an emotional response to that. <laughs> Some of us still remember the pain. <laughs> Some of us will never forgive. <laughs> um, and there is there is a sense of of moral decision making um, in in some of them. Uh, so there's a particular Call of Duty, and and there is there there are settings, and for for parents. This is something to look into. There are there are parental settings on almost every Call of Duty to bypass certain parts of the game that uh, you may think are a little too overboard. Now, obviously, having not played the game, you wouldn't know where those parts are or even what they are. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and hit the yes, bypass that, right? If you don't know, then play it safe. 
but uh, the first time that that ever came out in a Call of Duty game, I remember, uh, was you're, you're like deep undercover with a terror cell who happens to be going through an airport and just mowing down every citizen in sight. Oh, yeah. And you can take part in this. This is one <laughs> of the only parts of any video game ever in the Call of Duty franchise that will allow you to shoot bystanders and innocent citizens. Uh, yeah. Usually in Call of Duty, the moment that you shoot like an innocent bystander, like it stops you as though you died in the game and then you restart from a, from a previous point because they're like, no, we don't do that. You don't shoot bystanders bad now you have to start over right <laughs> well it this was a, a crazy part in that whole video because aren't you an undercover agent right so they, you're like you're, sitting you're there supposed facing to be pretending moral... that you are a terrorist with the other guys and and you have to make a decision you have to be like do i pull the trigger or do i blow my cover and not pull the tr like it was a it's a decision you had to make on the spot it like put you there it was, it was very very good <laughs> Yep, and there's even one, the most recent one, uh, where it, it it really you are the good guy, right? Um, but because you're this is all black ops and and secret squirrely kind of stuff, and you're interrogating the bad guy, trying to figure out where the bomb is that's gonna blow up a whole lot of other people, and there there you you get the opportunity to threaten his family, and again you're faced with this this moral dilemma of like do I do I pull the trigger on this really it's a child that you're holding the gun to at this point in the game and trust that my partner has handed me a gun full of blanks or do I decide to, to, to err on the side of mercy because I'm not willing to make that moral compromise. Right. And, and yeah, it, it, it that was, I will say that part in the game going through it, even as an adult was like, I, I don't I don't know if I'm comfortable playing this part in the game. That was that was a very difficult thing for me to wrestle with. I, I what I loved about it is it's good storytelling. It's right. All all video games have done is they've taken the world of a novel and have made it so that you get to be the one making decisions in this novel. You get to see it as as it happens in real time. You get to deal with the consequences of your decisions in real time. And it's, it's more of a storytelling trope. And that's where I was going with this is, you know, there are a lot of these things that are in these video games. <clears throat> and people tend to think that uh, it blurs the line of reality. And I say, no, I, I don't believe that's... If, if anyone actually is blurring those lines, they actually have a mental condition, likely. Right. Uh, but in real life, these people people we know that what we're engaging in is not reality. And that if anything, we're just playing out a story... Uh, in the same way that we would live a life in a novel, right? like we read ourselves into a character and it's just more interactive and, and, and more technologically up to date than a book. <laughs> what, what, what I can say about in particular what I was just talking about is, is yeah, it, it actually weighs in a level of, of reality on you, right? There, there have been certain moments in my life where, where the full weight of certain realities have hit me, right? I remember when I, when I first first bought my first weapon and you know even even unloaded after it was unboxed and everything holding it in my hand was like all right this is this is a big deal this is serious this the 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 full weight of what it meant to own that item was like okay th this can take a life like it it it, it hit and in, you know, in that moment in, in, in the video game that I was playing, it, it hit me like there are men who have to make this decision. There have been human beings that have had to make this decision. And sometimes it wasn't a blank and sometimes it was a blank and sometimes they didn't pull the trigger at all. And like, you know, it, it really weighs on you that there are some people that unfortunately war is an ugly thing. And for what they consider to be the greater good, they get their hands dirty so that the rest of everybody else doesn't have to. And I get that that sounds like a cheesy trope, but like <laughs> that really is what that is. Like at, in in moments like that, you kind of have to weigh out, okay, well, is it, which one's going to be worse for me to take this one life here or to not do that and allow countless others to, to be lost and you know, that's, that is, that, that's the thing is it's a bad decision to have to make because it is dirt on their hands.
right? It's blood on their hands regardless. And I, I think a respect for that uh, definitely came about from having to, like, I, I, you know, that, that was, like I said, it was a hard part of the video game for me to have to go through. Yeah, there's uh, uh, this aspect, I guess, that we're kind of going over now is, you know, not exactly desensitization. That's not what we mean, although there is a sense of desensitizing, of course, that's going to happen in engaging with violent video games. Uh, whether for better or for worse, that can be up for debate. That's really up for the parents to decide when it comes to for children. Um, but, uh, you know, these these sort of like these kinds of books and, and games will put you in a situation to force you to think about things that you never otherwise would have thought about. Uh, and if you you are a better person for it, right? You you have now sat down with yourself and wrestled with this idea with yourself and thought about what kind of person am I really? What's the decision that I would I would make? Um, I faced it on the spot. Thanks for the practice round. Now I think I have an idea of what I'm actually going to do should that happen in real life. Because it's something you've sort of wrestled with in yourself. It's forced you into a position to make you actually a better person, if anything. Um, this, what about chess being based on war? Well, so this is one of the this is one of the positive qualities of video gaming, which really chess was just I mean, that's it gaming is gaming, right? People have always worked with the technology that they've had available to them. Um, which means, by the way, that uh, initially it began with children hitting each other with sticks, right? As opposed <laughs> to swords, because that was what they had. So, uh, yes, uh, the gaming has become less and less violent over time, even if it's become more and more graphically violent. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, uh, learning strategy, um, learning how to navigate through... Uh, conflict, mm -hmm. right? These are things that can be learned through through gaming and chess. So chess is a primary example. And again, these are things you learn in martial arts and as, as a debater, right? As somebody who enjoys debating. Um, I actually took, because I, I got into debating long before I got into martial arts, but I, I took what I understood from how to navigate a debate. I'm also a chess player. So I, I, I took that into martial arts, in, in learning martial arts, uh, to to know what it's like to have to read my opponent. This is what you have to do in a debate. It's what you have to do in chess. You have to learn to think like your opponent is going to think so that you can anticipate what they're going to do on the board or what point they're going to bring up in the debate so that you know how to counter it before they make the point. If you take this into martial arts, then you're anticipating their next move before they've made it. Right. And 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 learning to do that in real time. This is another quality of of especially online gaming. Right. When you yeah. get into multiplayers like Call of Duty, this is a skill that becomes extremely important. Uh, when I watch some of the some of the playthroughs of some of these guys who are in like a TDM a team deathmatch, uh, like I'm mind blown by some of the the usage of the surroundings in the game and certain things that that they use to their advantage because i would have never considered to do that right i would never consider to put you know c4 on the front of the four-wheeler and then jump off it as it rolls into a truck with four guys in it before setting <laughs> it off like that just doesn't occur to me <laughs> but it's brilliant strategy now if anything um if anything and this is like just me sort of talking Boot camp was more scarring mentally than any video game I've ever played. Hmm. And, and, uh, like I, I didn't grow up playing a whole lot of video games back then, but I played, you know, Halo, Call of Duty, whatever. Um, and then, uh, once again, getting said, neither of us really are gamers. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, we I play, play games, but we're not gamers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, like, Video games can, there's a certain benefit to a certain level of desensitization um, in which you can prepare a person, at least mentally, to deal with the idea of being in a military situation and having to, you know, do the unthinkable. Um, and yeah, so like when you, when you go to boot camp, they try to drill it into your brain 
that you will pull the trigger without hesitation should the time come. And the way they do that is, is, is through serious desensitization and, and trying to get you incredibly used to the idea to force you to think about it all the time to the point where it just doesn't bother you anymore. Um, and I think that video games has helped us in a way get over that hump a little bit better than the past has. Um, possibly. I, I do. Th I, I'll agree 100% there actually. Um, so even though I went to, uh, growing up a, a pretty fundamentalist Baptist church, um, I didn't really have the same struggle and, and as a homeschooler at that, right? So everybody gets this idea of the awkward homeschooler, the awkward sheltered homeschooler. It's like doubly worse if, if that awkward sheltered homeschooler uh, went to a fundamentalist church, right? And I know what they're talking about because these kids come out of their parents' home into the real world and they are utterly shocked by normal everyday society they hear somebody in walmart use a four-lettered word and they almost have a conniption over it right it, it, they feel like it's their duty to go and preach at that person about how jesus hates cursing and stuff like that and 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 like so they they just become an absolute pain and misery to be around for for other people and they also don't know how to build relationships with the world around them. And it's because they aren't desensitized, right? So it says another thing about playing, you know, Medal of Honor Frontline, right? Uh, we all know that one because it opens with, uh, with the Beach of Normandy. It's a World War II game, okay? And I'm going to say this about movies too. Right, because I've I've seen too many people complain about profanity in a war movie and like a gratuitous level of violence in a war movie. It's like, look, it's a war movie, it's a war video game. Expect there to be violence. <laughs> Expect there to be profanity. That is the way the military is, and that is the nature of war. Right. Um, we focused a lot on violence, but you know, kind of shifting gears to profanity here. Like, look, the world uses profanity. Your kids are going to have to know how to deal with that. They don't have to use it themselves, right? They they can rise above, so to speak. But they have to know how to live and exist in a society where other people use it. It's not their job to shove their agenda down other people's throat, mm -hmm. right? That You can't exist in the world that way. So one of the best ways to desensitize them to the fact that people cuss, it's just <laughs> something people do, is, yes, expose them to movies that are... I would say period appropriate, right? Something with redeeming value, right? I was allowed to watch Saving Private Ryan, probably younger than I think I probably should have been um, because I, it, that was uh, emotionally traumatizing for me to watch the first 20 minutes of that movie. It is um, for all of us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that movie has number one, immense redeeming value in the fact that you are learning exactly what men had to suffer and what men had to go through for us to have the America that we have today. And that builds the gratefulness that is, I think, necessary to be a functioning, uh, grateful American that's willing to preserve what they fought for. Um, but you're also exposed to just the way that the world is. You're exposed to the fact that, yes, people cuss. Yes, Violence is out there. Yes, not everybody is, you know, the uh, the stand-up soldier. Some some people just aren't, right? But you don't have to be that way because there is the stand-up soldier out there, the stand-up Marine out there. There are quality people among where there are lower quality people. And you have to learn how to exist in that world. Yeah, and, uh, and that's a big part of it too is, you know, it, you – if you cannot prepare your child to face the the world as it really is, well then, you know, I hate to use really harsh language here, but you have failed your kid. As a parent, if your kid is dropped into the world and he's spent his whole life so sheltered that he simply cannot function as soon as he hits the sidewalk. Now they have to learn the hard way. And that's so much more worse off. Now, uh, you know, obviously there are ways to do this without using video games. People did it for a long time, obviously. Uh, we're not saying that video games are the answer here. We're, we're just saying, however, that, you know, there is an aspect of this that video games can offer. And then at the end of the day, 
um, you know, people can disagree with us about this whole subject all day, every day. That's fine. That's totally fine. You, you're you're the parent. You're the an individual. You have the freedom to make those decisions and choices, or whatever. Um, but everyone has the right, or I wouldn't say the right, right? Like, is that's sort of strong legal language. But everyone's allowed to have a hobby. And yeah. As long as video games are not an addictive thing, all all behaviors of addiction are bad, no matter what the subject is. If yes. it's addictive behavior, it's bad behavior. Um, so, you know, as long as the video game doesn't become an idol, so to speak, which is actually one of my banners here, um, as long as the video game doesn't become an idol, it's like a hobby, it's not getting in the way of your family life, it's not, you know, tearing your family apart, it's not making you go into immense amount of debt, this is just your way to escape reality for a little bit. Some people read a book. Um, not everybody can be captivated by a book, and video games actually offer certain people who don't care for books to have the same experience as book readers through a different medium to give them the same exact feeling of escapism. That's why role yep. games or role playing games are so popular. Skyrim is so incredibly popular because it, like fantasy novels are so incredibly popular among book readers. But if you're not a book reader, you can have the same exact experience that the name of the wind gives you or Harry Potter gives you in a game like Dark Souls or Skyrim or, or something, there's a sense of basically living out a book in the same exact way. It's just a different medium. And it's it's a hobby. You're allowed to have a hobby. You're allowed to have some way, you know, not every living moment of your life has to be, um, you, you're not a monk, right? You're a human being. <laughs> it's got, well, you could choose to be a monk in Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> I, I, I actually, so I love Skyrim in particular. Uh it has an underlying kind of sort of plot, but not really. You you kind of build the story yourself in that. You decide who and what you're going to be to this world, right? You you any even when you're in dialogue with other characters, you get to choose the tone of the statement that you're going to make, right? Which is going to affect how this person responds to you. Um, you can choose to be a pickpocket or not. I generally don't. Um, you know, uh, you, no you can, uh, <laughs> there's, there are, it's, it's one of the most lifelike realistic games, uh, that there is because there is a level of liberty of choice that is similar to, uh, actual real life, you know? Um, now obviously it's, it's not exactly like it, but again, there, there's a level of liberty that will develop the way the world around you responds to you. So the game responds to the choices that you make. Um, and, you know, you can even, you, you can get warrants out for your arrest. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones, though. My Skyrim character keeps a kosher diet. <laughs> <laughs> my Minecraft character keeps a kosher diet. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's also important to note. There's um, actually a good comment here at... Um, I want to get. I'll leave it up, but go ahead and say your note, and then we'll, we'll address. No, this. no, no. Go ahead and read this. I'm, I'm interested now. Um, essentially, uh, so the comment says for for our audio only listeners um, in storytelling, I think it's the gratuitous use of violence, sex, and language that's the problem. There should be a point to it in the story, character development, etc. It should be understood. I'm actually really glad you brought this up because this reminded yes. me of a point that we did have back in the beginning when it came to music. Uh, something that Talmud has already discussed is that there are different forms of music and most music is permissible, whether it's secular or worship or whatever. Um, the only music that's really like, so they have like three different categories. There's like holy music and then there's neutral music and then there's like uh, kind of ugly music and then there's disgusting music. And right. the neutral and ugly is still on the permissible scale. It's like, yeah, it uses some curse words or whatever, but it's not exactly straight vulgarities. The disgusting music is like, okay, none of that. And that's the music that's like rap, right? Where the whole thing is just, and not all kinds of rap, obviously, uh, but there are certain rappers that only talk about violence, sex, drugs, uh, all of all of the, yeah, WAP. Um, all, like that is disgusting music. And so there's obviously a limit to this. A video game um, that is disgusting is, again, this is for like parents to measure, you know, some discernment. 
we're actually primarily we've been talking about first person shooters because those are generally like kind of neutral right they're usually historically based yeah there's yep. violence but war is violent so it kind of like sits in the neutral to ugly area um but they're not disgusting right like grand theft auto can be easily argued as being a disgusting game um and so absolutely gang violence for the sake of gang violence yeah and, and there's there's also a lot of sexual content in in grand theft auto and, and there are video games that you know really glorify those things exercise you know i i, I don't want to say common sense because these days that's that feels like a superpower more than anything um, but yeah, no, I feel like you're, you, people are able, especially there for themselves, able to discern what they feel is above the, or, or crossing that line. Yeah. And so movies, same thing, uh, you know, like the Avengers is obviously violent, but the Avengers is a neutral movie. It's just good entertainment for the most part. Um, and then, you know, well, obviously- and it, and it does teach, you know, character traits. E each of the heroes has their own story arc and, and the, the hurdles that they had to overcome, at least for the males. Um, which, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, that's, that, that's, that's a dig at, um, that, that's a dig at, at modern feminist female, uh, led movies. <laughs> because that's one of the, it's one of the hard distinctions, right? Is like, these women heroes come into the movies already awesome, so there's no character development because they're already <laughs> awesome. Whereas, like, you know, for Iron Man, there were character flaws that he had early on that he had to overcome. He had to learn and grow past them to become the awesome Iron Man that we know, right? The one who snaps the fingers knowing that he's going to die, right? That was not the Tony Stark of the first movie. Um yeah. You know, it's it's so uh, even there, it, it it could be neutral, but I still think there's redeeming quality to that. It's you know what can be learned from these figures, what can be learned from these archetypes, because that's really what they are. Is they are they are heroic archetypes. They they exhibit attributes that we all admire. Um, and I know that this is true even for the Lord of the Rings, actually. So for the Lord of the Rings, because I'm a, I'm a huge Tolkien nerd, um, Peter Jackson actually based each character. And the personality that that was portrayed in that character, not necessarily just off the books, right? Because it's some may really hate what I'm about to say, right? In some books, you are very able to ascertain the character of of a, a character. In some books, you're not. <laughs> some people are just not good at at um, expounding on personality traits. Um, and so Peter Jackson actually based a lot of the characters in his Lord of the Rings trilogy off of actual historical characters, right? So Viggo Mortensen's character, Aragorn, he specifically based off of his understanding of William Wallace, right? He based Grimma Wormtongue off of Rasputin, right? These are, th this is, this is how he chose to portray these characters uh, because it already fit the archetype within the storyline mm -hmm. hmm. anyway yeah all that to say um there's there's an obvious line we're not saying go play x-rated games and go watch x-rated movies no there's, there's an obvious line and uh you know you should utilize your own individual right. discernment to to figure out where that line is and good if content. you take a yeah if you take a hard stance against violence um and profanity you'll miss you'll miss the value of what movies like Saving Private Ryan, um, like uh, what's the one about Desmond Doss, Hacksaw Ridge, Hacksaw Ridge, Thirteen uh, Hours, like yeah, like Thirteen Hours, like Fury. You'll 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 miss the message and the lesson that those movies have to offer, and it's not a lesson that you can get from a movie that doesn't have those qualities. Uh, if you take a hard stance against nudity, you're gonna miss what Schindler's List has to offer. Right. Yeah. Because that has nudity in it, unfortunately, you know, but that's a reality. It's a historical reality of something that happened. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's obviously not a sexual nature nudity, but it, it is a nudity that exists. And it's a reality that you sort of it's a vulgar reality in a sense that you kind of have to deal with in some instances. There's a what's time and place where it is appropriate. What's most important to wrap this up, I think, is. For the naysayers, right, who would say take a hard for the fundamentalists who would take a hard stance against movies and video games and music that have profanity, that have nudity, that have 
gratuitous violence. Um, there is no biblical support for that. We have gone a long time tonight. This is this might be the first episode ever where we've gone a long time not actually talking about the Bible. And <laughs> I mean, we talked about because, it. Yeah. And it's simply because this is not a biblical issue, right? <laughs> um, it it just At least not directly. Isn't. Yeah, not 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 directly. Uh, the there are a, f a handful of verses that people will pull from um, to try and condemn video game playing and and among other things. And these are verses that typically emphasize focusing on what is good, what is holy, right? These are the things that your mind should be focused on. For those of you who come out of a fundamentalist background, and maybe those of you who are watching who are still in a fundamentalist background, let me tell you, as somebody who was in a fundamentalist background as a child, your kid sees right through that. Like they do the moment that you quote that verse about focusing on what is holy and just and good. His mind goes, well, mom likes shopping. That's not focusing on what is holy and just and good. Uh, dad likes hunting and fishing that you're literally killing an animal, right? What's <laughs> holy and just and good about that right now, when we start to rationalize, like, well, what if she's buying a present for her husband? That's a good thing. Or he's providing food for his family. It's like, yes, we can rationalize any way we want. And guess what? That kid can rationalize the video game he wants to play any way that he wants, right? Like we have here tonight. You could say this is one ginormous rationalization. Does that make it not true? No, it's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> the, a point, another point is also that children are much smarter than we give them credit for. A lot of the times we, we like to think that, well, they're not ready for that. And there are times in which we could 100% be right about that there are times where we might think that and it's not true at all um and we've totally underestimated the kid it depends <laughs> um I, yep it, in my experience my uh you know parents tend to underestimate um uh in, in a lot of areas like oh who was it there's a pastor i'm uh by the way guys if you got a question ask now in the chat before time runs out but there was a there's a pastor giving a sermon and he was like you know, it was, it was a quick snippet. It was like, is your kid, what, how old is your kids? 14, 15 or whatever the parent answers. And he goes, okay, cool. Do they have a smartphone? They do. All right. If your kid doesn't, um, is, is, uh, is not watching sex on his phone. He's doing it in real life. And they're like, the parents like in denial, like, oh no, not my little Johnny is like, no, no, no. Now, they are absolutely probably already engaged in sexual activities and you don't know about it and you're not willing to come to grips with that reality. So you choose to ignore it and that's more damaging than facing the reality. And it's because you refuse to acknowledge that your kid actually does no more than he lets on um, that and, and you trying to shelter them in such a manner uh, that you yourself has actually you've actually created a situation in where you yourself are not ready for the reality of the world because you've tried to impose a, a different reality onto the kid. So, you know, I, I, yeah, especially in the teenage years, right. That I think that that is the one area where of course, you know, uh, it, it, parents everywhere are like, yeah, teenagers think they know everything. And like the opposite of that is the fact that like for most teenagers, their parents probably don't know exactly how smart they are. Uh, and think that they know less than they actually do or that they're not capable of reasoning the way I remember it was the most mind-blowing sermon that I ever heard in a fundamentalist church was a pastor who actually had the gumption to say to parents that like hey once they're in their teenage years and they're approaching adulthood because I said so is not a valid answer right you you owe them an explanation because they are capable of reasoning for themselves um and, you know, when it comes to when it comes to gaming, I remember so there was there was a time limit, right, uh, in in my house growing up, right. So this is a, addiction really wasn't a problem for the video game for me, because I was only allowed to video game for a certain amount of time. Now, if I'm if I if we were busy one day and I couldn't be home home to plan of time, right, that didn't carry over to the another day, right. If, if I ever even attempted it, right, if, if, if like, if, if when that time limit was up and I was playing beyond it, it was like, 
well, hold on. No, time's up. And I'm like, but I didn't play yesterday. And it was like, well, it's a new day. The, 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 the problem with that is if I, if we were busy and I had missed a day of school, I still had to make that up. And this is where I'm like, under, understand like parents, your kids are smarter than you think they are. Right. If it's a new day and video game does not carry over, then like school doesn't carry over. Like I, I remember as a kid thinking like, hold up, that logic doesn't track. <laughs> it was all right. It was well, we're hitting story. an hour and um, oh, Magic the Gathering family D&D, D&D uh, &D fantasy gaming yet. Okay. <laughs> I am a big Magic the Gathering fan. I'm a huge D&D fan. I play D&D every Tuesday. Um, and he hasn't and, seen Stranger Things. Leave me alone. He's a D&D <laughs> fan who hasn't seen Stranger Things. Guys. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, no, and this is this is no different from reading a book that has fantasy stuff in it, right? Um, Magic the Gathering uses magical precepts. Uh, again, everyone's very able to discern real magic from fake magic. The, the card game is not at all any, any sort of realism in magic. It's not witchcraft. It's taking concepts that you would pull out of any Harry Potter book, or for that matter, a J.R.R. Tolkien book, um, yep. or Chronicles of Narnia. It doesn't matter. Like These are all just general like magic just fantasy things uh and D, D and magic gathering gathering are not inherently themselves wrong in fact these two things tend to be what you make them like D, D, especially you can easily create a campaign in which everybody's a cleric <laughs> uh and you run like basically a church history campaign um and the squad is called the amen or something you know like you can make D, &D whatever you want it to be <laughs> Uh, and so it's not inherently bad. It is something that you make it to be. It's, it's D and D is more of just a mechanic that you work within to write a story. Right. You've and played like, D and D. Again, you get to develop on the same character archetypes, right? You get to pick who you want to be. Um, and you know, that, that's, that's partially something that it's, you could consider it even working on yourself because, uh, this is something for every author, um, and every, every D and D player, right? The characters that you're building, each of them is a part of who you are, right? They're, none of them are not part of you. So, you know, take the good with the bad. As bad as you can make the bad guy be, that, uh, recognize that in yourself. That is a part of you. Um, and that's part of the struggle with part of the struggle with one's own humanity. Again, this is something Jordan Peterson talks about. Um but yeah, I, I think it's good to develop on that, right? To explore the attributes of oneself that can be developed and honed and built into a, a, a better person, right? Be the best version of yourself without the exploration of the imagination. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, uh, so <clears throat> video games are basically really complex books. Um, yes. Well, not even complex. If anything, they're a little bit more of a simpler book. Uh, just uses complex technology to get it done. Um, I think that's it, though. That's the only other question. Uh, everyone else seems to be surprised that I've never seen Stranger Things. Uh, yes, so be surprised. You guys, watch it. Um, not leaving my real dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so that being said um last last little plug and then we'll call it a day yeah yep so uh links are in the description if you want to be a patreon uh member if you want to support the ministry uh patreon.com link in the description membership starts at a dollar and you get to join us in the after part is which is in the discord immediately following the show so after this all our uh, you get to chance to hang out with us one-on-one -on -one, ask us any questions you can roast us still waiting on the roasting session um you can sit in awkward silence with us it doesn't matter membership starts at a dollar and immediately post show uh we we chill out in the discord and um and uh you guys can just ask us so uh, whatever you want star wars Jedi uh, the empire did nothing wrong change my mind yep. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Once again, um, we love this. 
we we I actually I'm glad that we did this uh, subject, even though it's like biblically vacant. Uh, we haven't really done an episode that was biblically vacant yet, and uh, now but now relevant. we finally have. I don't know how to feel about it in totality, um, but I am definitely grateful for this. So mm. thank you again. Um, may even reach out to him and just tell him thank you for what he's doing for the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um don't forget, if you haven't already, Fusro da the ble- uh, the like button and uh, <laughs> and and oof the subscribe button. <laughs> and uh, on that note, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh, hold on! No, no, no! We can't end it that way. Fusro da the like to. button. <laughs> Push red down the like button. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh man! All right, I, I guess uh, I guess that's how it's gonna be. Um, so yeah, let's uh, lechaim. <laughs> <laughs>